0: around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.
1: The world wants our kids to swallow its messages whole, (laughs) but we want discerning, thinking children. So today's guest, Chantal Howard, will explain teaching our kids to think through the art of asking questions. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Meladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. I'm Lisa Maladnik, and today Chantal Howard is here to explain teaching our kids to think through the art of asking questions. Such a great topic, especially for our times. Chantal Howard is a certified master strategist and the director of the Wholeness Coaching School. As a successful entrepreneur, certified health coach, and mindset coach, Chantal has helped hundreds of men and women up-level their well-being, businesses, and relationships. Her leadership experience spans 10 years of faith-based ministry development, high-level sales performance, and training business leaders. Additionally, she is an active doTERRA wellness advocate and the creator of Aroma Rosary. Check out aromarosary.com. Do not miss this, especially before Christmas. They're just beautiful. Okay, Chantal is married to Dr. Peter Howard STD, who is the founder of the Fulton Sheen Institute. As a homeschooling mother of six children, Chantal's divine purpose is to raise up the next generation of leaders who know how to dream, design and discipline their lives into the greatness of their own callings. Chantal lives with her family in Sandpoint, Idaho, where they enjoy together a simple life surrounded by the beauty of the lakes the mountains and a wholesome community. You can find her at chantal-howard.com. That's in the show show notes along with aromarosary.com. Chantal, it's been a little while, but it is so good to see you again.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It is a joy to be back. Our hearts have been knit together for so long. It doesn't even feel like there was a lack or a gap in there because I know we just share so much in common. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, yeah, it's always a joy. And I'm always so refreshed. I always feel kind of like reading a good book when I talk with you, you you bring such good and fresh ways of thinking. Um, And I and I really always appreciate that I always keep thinking after I have a conversation with you. So I hope everyone listening is going to have that same feeling. Um, Yeah, we're talking about teaching through kind of cultivating this questioning process in our kids say a little bit about why you're excited about this approach.
0: Absolutely. Well, I do think at the heart of raising our children up to be leaders, it's helping them have that ability to think. And I'll never forget the great Andrew Pudua, who I was privileged to learn from even as a young person. He would say, I remember I was in a lecture once and he said, what does it mean to think? And I thought, I don't know. I don't know (laughs) what it means to think. And that was when he really enlightened me. He said, look, it's asking yourself questions. And that stuck with me so profoundly because I realized that the world, as you mentioned in the the intro, they don't really like us asking questions, right? Within <laughs> the world where, where propaganda and slogans and other people's ideas mimicking and parroting and just pushing information out there is the norm. And when you question critically, there's oftentimes uh, we get ostracized. And I think that that's true for our young people, especially. And so we need to learn to equip them by, first of all, knowing the process ourselves. And that's been one of the most important pieces for me in raising my children is realizing, oh, I got to look in the mirror first. I need mm-hmm. to understand this process. Do I know how to ask myself critical questions? Do I have an accurate thinking process that I actually can engage? And do I give them permission to think or do I just want them to regurgitate what I say, and to do what I say and, and so forth and so on. So this is, this is really near and dear to me because I have been through the gamut now raising my, my kids. I've got one who's 19 and one who's two and all in the middle there. And I'm spanning (laughs) all those gaps right now. I feel sometimes I I tease, but I feel a little bit like a schizophrenic parent, like 19 grandbaby out of the house, all the way down to, you know, just one, I just finished weaning and and so there's a lot of scope in this in terms of asking questions. You're going to ask questions very differently to your older children than you would your younger ones, but nonetheless it's it's at the heart of what it means I think to be a, a parent that can can hold their wa- their the water today of the weight of the world that we are asked to to bear.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so true. And you say it so beautifully. It's very inviting to think about um, having an approach that that inoculates our kids from just having their brains sort of hijacked. Um, what is the process for you as a parent for being in the mindset of asking mm-hmm. questions and not just resorting to, here, parrot what I think, parrot what I say?
0: Right, yeah. Well, I love um, Alfred North Whitehead. He said, the purpose of thinking is to let ideas die instead of us dying. And I think that this, this is really kind of the the fundamental idea of the thought process, right? Is that we get to try on and we get to actually explore the consequences of our actions before we engage. Mm. And as parents, we need to exercise this first as well, right? A lot of times we tend to lean towards, well, we'll lecture or we'll, uh, demand or we'll have kind of expectations of our children. And we often don't stop long enough to think, is this the right approach? Where is this going to play out? Is this going to elicit the response I want for my children? I want to win their hearts, not just their obedience. I want their obedience too, but <laughs> I want them to actually thrive. And is my approach going to result in that? So these are the types of questions that we fundamentally need to learn how to ask ourselves so that when we sit down with our teenagers, we can actually begin to go through the process of what, what I would consider a true hypothesis, right? We start with a question. We play that out. And, and I like the, the idea that, that questions really are the antecedent to action, right? They're the, pre- the predecessor. We do not want ourselves or our children moving into action without thoughtfulness. So I think, again, that's, that's why I love this process of helping parents develop the art of asking questions and teaching that to their children.
1: Mm, a few things are just popcorning in my brain. And one is that for anyone listening that might be scratching your head, uh, Chantal, and you can address this, this is not about abdicating authority as a parent you said I want my children's obedience and that's a God-given gift it's it's more along the lines of something Socratic something that's agile and and has the kind of authentic god-ordered freedom that we want for our children would you just just address that and and then and then start to show us what it looks like
0: absolutely this is ancient wisdom this is not um, us trying to to move into a space of perhaps, like you said, abdicating authority. If anything, this is the way in which God often presents his own wisdom in provoking us into, into truth, right? After all, the fundamental question, seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive, that means that we have to learn to ask rightly. And even in scripture, that's that's noted, that we often do not ask rightly. Therefore, we receive what we're not looking for and we <laughs> often have to learn the hard way. Um, so I, I another gentleman who I've um, often leaned into his name is Sam Curd and he says um, to be on a quest is nothing more or less than to become an asker of questions. Ooh, I love we that. are ultimately on this journey towards heaven and while the the path is outlined and we have this beautiful rich tradition Each one of us is asked to engage our own free will and to come to the truth. And so we can't, we cannot presume that our children are just going to, you know, pick it up by osmosis entirely or, or that we're going to lecture it and they're just going to receive it. We have to provoke that longing and that desire and that quest and help them realize that this is an adventure that they have to, they have to climb ultimately. And I love the idea of a climb. Right at every intersection, every point along the journey, I I grew up in Colorado. So I just have this very vivid imagery of being, uh, you know, climbing a a peak. And I'll never forget, especially one time when my brother and I, I was 14, he was 18. I trusted him just indefinitely. It was like, oh, if if he says we can do it, we can do it. And we headed out on one of the most technical peaks in Colorado. And Inevitably, the you know you, you start to ask questions. Which way is it? This way is it? That way? How do we navigate this? Should we go up this draw? Well, should we cross the stream here? Do we need to rope up and climb this? You know, this steep pitch. Is this a good place? You begin to ask questions to help you get to your destination. And mm-hmm. if we ask those questions, uh, or if we don't ask those questions, we end up putting ourselves in harm's way. And I'll never forget this peak because we got to a point where we did find ourselves against a really big, steep wall. And it was clearly beyond the scope of what we'd prepared for. We really needed rock climbing gear in order to do it. And and in his naive, youthful, perhaps not as, uh, you know, developed judgment, he's like, oh, we'll be fine. Let's just do it anyway. <laughs> and he said, you go first. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'll just go first. I'll just do it. And he roped me up a little bit and, but not substantially. And I climbed this pitch and I remember thinking, gosh, one slip, I'm definitely dead. This is a 500 foot drop to my left. I am not coming back. And I got up to the top and it had started to snow up at the top. So the rock was slick. This was, there was all kinds of variables in play. I I kind of sat there and I anchored myself in and I watched him climb up and the sheer terror and look on his face of like, oh my gosh, what have we done and why did I just risk the life of my little sister? It made such an impression on me and it made me think about this topic because we have to ask the questions first. Otherwise, we get, our, we get ourselves into moral conundrums, we get ourselves into risky places. And if we can develop this skill in our children, then we truly are giving them life altering and life saving tools. And, and that's, mm. I think, questions as simple as it is, it's something we often don't think about.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, in our culture, and in some ways it's been a benefit to us culturally, we think about being risk takers and being bold, and that's all good. We want to be appropriate and wise in the way that we choose to do that. But this idea of being in the question, which you and I as coaches spend a lot of our lives doing in that place where we trust the Holy Spirit to lead and to open up something that has been not seen or not clear before, but it requires vulnerability, it requires humility to stand in the question and stay with the question instead of leaping ahead to try to get the right answer. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's a whole other branch of this tree where we get our kids out of the, that that people-pleasing place of having the right answer rather than really thinking.
0: Oh, boy. That just resonates so strongly. And I'm sure for those of you that are listening that have uh, ventured into the realm of homeschooling at any depth, you realize what a different model it is to build education around the pursuit versus just the multiple choice, right? Mm. And that's really that humble inquiry that you alluded to, that that, that is really the premise of what we seek to create education around is, yes, imitation of great books. Yes, imitation of great literature, great art. We want to have exposure to excellence. We want to have exposure. And obviously, when it comes to the mathematical sciences, we can't just become totally, you know, uh, relativist (laughs) around it. We can't (laughs) just make up our own answers. Um, But nonetheless, I think what's at the heart of this, especially as we enter into it rightly understood, is as parents, we have a fundamental belief that our children have a worth and a dignity and a capacity knit into their very nature that if we, like you said, sit in the question, we will see the truth emerge. Does that mean we don't fail? Does it does it mean that they they won't often choose the right direction? Of course, that's the risk. That is the risk. And we have to do you know, again, we need parameters. We need we need boundaries. <laughs> we need guidance. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that again that we we parent from a place of of a lack of judgment. But there are many times where this is the appropriate path to really eliciting a love of learning and a love of the truth because it comes ultimately from within. And I think that that is, if I can say anything about my own childhood, which, which was really blessed, I was homeschooled from fourth grade all the way through high school. My mother had a very strong conversion. She wanted to, to just fall in love radically with our faith. And she did so by being a beautiful example and asking us questions that would help us to realize The journey she'd been on and want to imitate that rather than, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't forced. And and for that, I'm very grateful.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's just so inspiring. So Mm -hmm. what is the first step when you start to introduce, you know, how are we helping our kids learn to think is the overarching question? Where do we begin?
0: Mm, This is so good. Yeah. So I think this remaining curious, which, again, is something that has to be Tempered and guarded because curiosity has often been portrayed as perhaps a place of danger or using our imagination as a place of un you know bridled restraint where we could end up, you know, wandering into places we oughtn't. But ultimately, our curiosity and our imagination are gifts from God. And we need to teach and develop them healthfully within our kids. Otherwise, they do left, they they're left to ultimately be captured by the enemy. And the enemy use those all day long right? So he will take charge of our kids' imagination. And so if we teach them to remain curious, to really begin to decipher between what's fact and what's fabricated, this is where we can begin to help them see the truth. So an attitude of curiosity, I think, is really important. But then we also have an attitude of responsibility, helping our kids to realize that that when you, when you engage in this thinking process, And you choose to let your actions follow that process. You have to own it. You have to take, take responsibility for your actions. And by teaching them to ask those critical questions, we actually give them the, the, we connect the dots between Mm -hmm. their behavior, their emotional life and, and the actions that they ultimately choose to take. So, um, Tony Robbins, who, you know, is a great life coach and and many people enjoy receiving some of his inspiration. He's not, he's not Catholic and he doesn't have the fullness, but he often gives really insightful things. And he says, successful people ask better questions. And as a result, they get better answers. So I think at the heart of this, we need to, first of all, be aware that we can be directive and we can have questions that are perhaps oriented or pushing and just learning what are we doing what are we saying we can change a conversation with a question we can change the tone of a com- uh, of a relationship what's happening within the family dynamic with a a question um and and we can use we can really challenge our children here and i think that's probably one of the things that that really gets me most excited so for example um I'm trying to think, I want to think of a good example here that would be relevant to our topic. Um, instead of, uh, I want to prove a point, right? Like, why do bad things always happen to me? Our kids can come. To, why do I always get the short end? <laughs> why do my brother and sister, right? We can pivot that and help them to learn the ask, ask the question, What am what am I needing to learn right now, right? What am I... What What is there in this that I can actually glean from? And that's a mature question. That's a question mm. that requires another level versus this pouty, self-absorbed, you know, why? And why is an interesting question, isn't it? Why often insinuates um, a, a motive or something underneath it? And I I often encourage parents to shift away from saying, why did you do that? Why Why didn't you help your sister? Why can't you get it right? Right? It's often an accusatory question and it and it comes with some weight. We need to be careful with why. And instead, I would encourage what and how questions as a great place to start because they're much more curious and they leave a lot more room for the freedom of a young person, especially to begin to ponder the consequences of what they get to choose here.
1: Mm, Yeah, and uh, we're just about to take a short break uh, to hear from our sponsor. But I'd like to uh, step into the awareness, too, that as we're teaching our children to to ask questions, we want to also be humble and vulnerable ourselves about not pushing for a specific answer to in order to teach this, we sort of need to let them off the leash in terms of the the, their ability to roam and consider and allow their brains to light up in that neurological way that they do when we ask questions. But we are going to take just a few seconds to hear from our sponsor, and we will be right back.
0: Hi, I'm Walter Crawford,
1: and I'm Maureen Whitman.
0: We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast, which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening.
1: And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com.
0: And now back to our program.
1: All right, we're back with Chantal Howard, and we are talking about teaching our kids to think through asking questions, and this is just so much fun Um, any examples or fruits that you're seeing bubbling to the surface in your own family's development, Chantal?
0: Absolutely. So again, this is an age appropriate discretion, right? I think we we need to realize that certain kids can handle deeper, deeper questions than others. Um, But fundamentally at two years old, we often present questions of this or that, right? This or that. Would you like this or would you like that? Oh, I can engage my freedom. That takes it away from being directive. You know, go to your bed. Well, wait. Would you like to read a book, or would you like to, you know, lay down by yourself? Right. That's just that directive. And and again, live uh, creating space for them to engage in choosing. Uh, at a little bit older age, I think about you know six, seven, eight years old, where they're just they really do have how questions, and and some of those why questions begin to surface, and we get to provide the the opportunity. You know, how do I spell this word? right? Tell me, tell me how to spell this word. Okay, well, let's, what do you think? There's no wrong answer. Let's explore it. Go for it. Take a stab at it, right? Being willing to let them fail in these environments is so important because then they actually realize that they have the freedom to pick up, to try again and to move forward. There's so many lessons in giving those safe environment places for them to fail and know that we aren't going to crush them for it. So I love that in that younger age when they can play safely, so to speak, mm-hmm. with failure. As they get a little bit older into those teen years, and I'm thinking I have now my 14-year-old, and boy, oh, man, is she at a point where she's just so sure, right? <laughs> Six, she's so sure she knows. And it's kind of cute because a lot of times I'll ask those open-ended questions, uh, you know, such as, well, what, what do you think would be the rest, the right choice for you right now? Oh why are you life coaching me you know <laughs> and, and it's so fun but i see i see that, that she's starting to think through the process um it, simple things like uh we had a, a i needed one of my kids to actually call the dentist to arrange something regarding their dentist appointment i was busy i don't want to do that what do you think is going to happen right what's the worst that could happen <laughs> well, I could be embarrassed. You know, these questions that just, again, give them a chance to realize that they have a capacity that the world doesn't want them to know they have. So questions, mm-hmm. I think, really allow our children to, to begin to regulate and learn how to regulate their emotional life. And that, to me, is is one of the most important pieces, because when we help them understand what they're thinking, they can begin to identify what they're feeling And we know that those feelings are ultimately going to be the largest driver in their decision making process.
1: Yeah. And I know that you work with people who are entering into new seasons or coping with new challenges, things like that. A lot of what we learn as coaches is stepping into what's possible Mm -hmm. in the aftermath of a big disappointment. I feel like that's a great place too to stand with our kids. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it's raining. You don't get to play your game. What What? what's possible now? Now that we're indoors in the rain, what what else is there? You know, I'm, it's like that agile sense of, we can always ask a question that opens up a possibility. Um, mm-hmm. And kids, given the opportunity can do that. I also thought too, when you were saying about how to spell a word, like the younger kid who's still Figuring out what words are to them and they're still in that kind of nebulous, don't have to have everything perfect exploratory space might just take a stab at it. Whereas an an older kid who's in that phase where everything has to be the right answer might just go, oh, mom, and go look it up for themselves, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like like you not always feeding them the answer. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You can see how just taking a a question approach can in, in. kind of inspire action, inspire initiative as well. Yes, that's really true. So I often think about, um, and again,
0: translating some of the things that we do within a space of working with adults, but how does this relate to us? So first of all, I think learning to ask questions for ourselves and of ourselves, being more demanding at a personal level and playing that out, literally scenarioizing, dreaming, engaging. And again, I do think that there've been a lot of us in, and I speak for my generation where, and in this faith space where the imagination and the dream process has been kind of crushed, you know, we really have shut that down. And I really think that that's something for us to, to rediscover within the scope of orthodoxy, within the scope of moral, moral boundaries, of course. Um, but what it, like you said, what is possible? And can I ask myself, what would the outcome be if I actually shifted my parenting on this topic? get so bullheaded and so sure right that we've got to do it this way because my parents did it that way or because I've heard somebody say it needs to be that way what if i love that as a question mm-hmm. um and then as we engage in these conversations with especially our teenagers where these questions become more pivotal um one at a time one at a time i think that's an important piece is to not bombard with so many questions or so many statements or moving in, we can fall prey right back into that lecture mode, right? Where we just mm-hmm. have directive and we're trying to push them. So I just think that's another component that is really helpful is to to learn, to ask one at a time, to listen, and to affirm their efforts to try to come up with something. Because again, we can we can have in our mind what we think it needs to be and become dissatisfied. But the more that I've allowed my kids room to breathe, the more I'm honestly, genuinely impressed with what they have baked right into their own uh, innate ability to ponder and and to conclude.
1: Yeah. And And I would say too, anyone who's a little nervous about trying something new or thinking differently about how they relate to their kids you might just go through a period of just noticing your own internal questions. Like sometimes we squelch them or we bypass them quickly because they don't seem to fit the mold of the way we've been brought up to think, but you might be having random thoughts or areas of curiosity. I don't know, maybe you're looking at a picture and thinking, what would my life have been like if I had been different in this way, or Mm -hmm. if we hadn't moved to that new place, or if I had never met my best friend, like even just, playing questions with yourself, as you were saying, not necessarily the big or the deep or the life-changing questions, but as you said, igniting that ability to dream. What mm-hmm. if? Mm-hmm. I love that question.
0: For sure. And then mm-hmm. we can test our question or test our conclusions too, right? We get into the process and we we actually do begin to explore, is the outcome that that I'm creating through this thought process good, beneficial, beautiful, helpful? Does this serve the end that I'm trying. If not, what what needs to shift? And I do think a lot of times these questions are very simple. Um, when we talk with our kids, just simple, the, simply the question: What's on your mind? What are you thinking? I'd love to explore that with you. Um, I, I think oftentimes, what's what's the real challenge here? What's the real problem? Can we can we discover it? Can we even identify what the problem is? Because oftentimes. Those problems or those challenges emotionally, especially are great big stories that we make up that aren't really real. And sometimes we just need to be able to bring them to light and poke a little hole in it and, right, all the drama (laughs) can dissipate. Um, You know, how can I help you explore this? What would be helpful? What do you think needs to happen? Um, What do you want? What is it you want? That's a really good question. What don't you want? What are you tired of? Why do you think this isn't working? Right? We can get really curious again and let them explore. And when we sit in that question, like you said, um, I really do think that we're able to elicit a whole new level of discovery and innovation. And to be totally honest, that's where I feel like sanctity, wholeness, and even the driving force behind uh, the church's greatness really comes from. We are not a people who are oriented to just receiving what somebody else has thought. We want to press in. Yes, absorb the great thinkers, but then ask what else, right? That's why we have 2,000 years of incredible, expansive, and expanding wisdom, because we've stayed curious and we've stayed in the pursuit of the truth.
1: Oh, yeah, that's so inspiring, Chantal. Um, Almost could end there, but I want to give you the opportunity just to... Step us into anything else that's still there. What other pieces or final thoughts would you like to leave us with? Hmm.
0: Well, I really do think that this journey with our children is, a, is one that we are continually discovering how to do better. And I think many people are probably going, well, I haven't done that, or I over lecture, or maybe it's my husband who does that. Right? <laughs> it's always <laughs> easier to point out uh, somebody else's flaws. And I think fundamentally, at the at the the heart of this is a willingness that says failure is part of the process, and this progression, not perfectionism, is really an important message for our kids, so that they they we really can. Um, help, I think, unwind some of that tension and anxiety that is surfacing. And within the space of Catholic homeschooling families, in particular, we're really seeing a lot of "I have to get it right, or else." Right? I need to be the exceptional moral kid who who just never never makes the mistake. And I think that we we do a disservice to our kids if that's really where we leave them, because inevitably we're all human. And again, I'm I'm not advocating that we give them a relativistic basis for their life. If anything, teaching them the art of good questions is going to provoke them to actually answering the truth. I think it's—I don't know if it's G.K. Chesterton or Sheen or what—but you know, it's like in the end, we our our mouths are made to open ultimately to close upon something solid. Mm -hmm. But we have to teach our children to expand the possibility so that they can latch down on truth. And today when ideologies and and self-image and so much is being just pushed on them, we have to teach them how to ask the questions, where's the truth and how do we find it? So mm. I think it's it's just an incredible perspective shift. And if anything else, I hope that's what we've kind of done is just provoked curiosity and, and perhaps uh, left you with more questions (laughs) more (laughs) questions to go answer on your own
1: (laughs) (laughs) well done (laughs) all right everybody thank you so much for being with us chantal thank you so much always always just refreshing to to take some time to talk with you and and hear what's on your mind um in the midst everybody of checking the boxes and making sure they're prepared for next steps Allowing that atmosphere of curiosity—what a blessing that might be—and a great question to take into prayer. Again, Mm -hmm. thank you, Chantal. You're such a blessing, and everybody. uh, We'll talk to you next time. We'll have Chantal back again soon, and do find her at AromaRosary.com and also Chantal-Howard.com, and that's in the show notes. Connect with Chantal. Bush. She's got a lot to teach me. (laughs) And you might uh, enjoy learning from her and connecting with her as well. God bless you, everybody. Bye-bye now. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by HomeschoolConnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you, and thank you for joining us.